1: Hello, and welcome to The Athletic Soccer Show. My name is Mike Zimmerman, and we are heading into the January transfer window, and along with that comes tons of rumors. Today, we're going to center around Manchester United and their passive recruitment strategy. I'm joined by The Athletic's Lori Whitwell to dive into the details. Uh, Lori, you wrote a great piece on United's transfer strategy. I think the first place to start is the future of ownership. With the Glazers looking to sell the club or a possible investment, how will that impact the immediate January transfer window.
2: Yeah, it's difficult to say. I mean, you'd think that it would put things on hold, really, because uh, the new owners might have their own view version of what they want Manchester United to look like. If there is, you know, if it gets to that stage in the process, um, and at the same time, the Glazers have already um, dipped into the credit facilities to such a degree that there isn't any money left, really. Uh, I mean, it was about three hundred million in cash that they had in in twenty nineteen. And now that's down to like 24 million. And that's only because they've got kind of this revolving credit facility. So um, I can see why, I mean, the message since the summer where they overspent on players, that they went over budget for what they wanted to bring in um, because they had a, a bad start to the season. Um, the message since that point has been that January was going to be a quiet month. And yeah, it's, it's looking that it's going to be that way. But the takeover is an interesting one because I, I did think that perhaps if uh, the Glazers wanted to make sure that Manchester United were a Champions League club, for example, and therefore raise the value of the club, then a, a purchase in January might be possible, you know, such as Cody Gakpo, which we might get on to. Um, but it transpires that, yeah, it's going to be loans this month, I think.
1: So uh, you wrote um, in your story, you pointed out that the clubs in the crucial race for the Champions League spots are all making moves, you know, Cody Gakpo to, to Liverpool, one of their big targets. Yeah, United are kind of standing still at the moment. Is that a message to the fans that they're kind of content with the squad they have now?
2: Yeah, I think it was a difficult situation, different situation in the summer where uh, they lost the first two games of the season and the transfer window was still open. So I think there was panic. Uh, whereas now they're in a pretty good way. 10 Haag's got the team playing decent football. They, they lost to Aston Villa just before the world cup but generally the form has been have been pretty good they've, they've had a lot of wins and they're in a decent position in the table you know well within shooting range of the champions league places so they're probably thinking well if it's not absolutely essential you know we'll keep the you know the the, the checkbook the wallet in our pocket um i do also think that yeah the, the wider scheme is that they don't have the money there really you know it, it, they'd have to go into uh, credit again um and, and overall actually there's some since uh the summer the, the financial details were revealed to uh, to the full extent in the first quarter report where um if you touch it all up the club is about a billion pounds in debt which is the gross debt that the Glazers put on the club since the uh, takeover in 2005 um added on to this the credit facility that i've mentioned which is about 200 million they've dipped into that and then also transfers that they still haven't paid off yet so like Anthony or Jadon Sancho, where they've kind of spaced the payments out over several years. So they probably looked at that situation and thought, it's creaking as it is. We can't afford to go and spend big in January now, even if we would like to, to kind of keep pace with these other teams. Um, As you mentioned, Liverpool, their their situation is that Luis Diaz is injured, Diogo Yota's injured, so they felt that they needed to dip into uh, the market now and Cody Gakpo is an available player for a reasonable price.
1: Is this debt will it affect the value of the club in a sale? Um, do do potential uh, buyers look at that debt and kind of maybe devalue? Because I, I know you had mentioned that the Glazers are looking for about a six to seven billion dollars sale. Will that debt possibly bring that price tag down?
2: Yeah, it'd be really interesting to see how that um, factors out in the in the final shape. Because uh, at Chelsea, for example. You know, the, the actual price for the club was two and a half billion, uh, but it came with a guarantee. All, all the bidders had to kind of put in extra money that they would then you know, give to the club in terms of uh, you know signings or, or the day to day running or even the stadium. So that was another uh, one point seven five billion. So that pushed the price up. So I don't know if the Glazers would look at it and go or, or a bidder would look at it and go, well, you know, if it's a seven billion pound price, I would expect all the debt to be wiped for that. Um, or whether the glazers are looking at it and thinking, well, the debt's on the club. It's, you know, this, we're we're just you know selling you the the stadium and the, and the players and the brand and all that, and, and the debt is something separate. Um, so it will be really interesting to see how that those conversations go. I'm sure that anybody that's looking at the club will will want to have a full access, and, and will have full access to the accounts, and, and that kind of headline figure of the debt will be priming their thoughts. I, I'm
1: sure of it. We saw back at the end of August, uh, Ajax was not budging on Anthony's transfer fee, which, how how much did that take away from this January's budget? I think that was pretty
2: significant. Um, I mean, it was a straight race in the end um, with the Cody Gakpo you know, deal. They, they were kind of progressing simultaneously. Uh, United even agreed terms with Cody Gakpo, um, but Anthony was the prime player in Eriksen Haag's mind that he wanted at that point so and Ajax weren't budging on the 100 million euro price tag you know they'd sold five first team players already that summer one of whom to Manchester United obviously United had taken their manager as well and and, and a coaching uh, member as well so um, they were in no position to uh, allow any kind of negotiation They, they had their price in their mind and that was that and United had the pressure to go get this player over the line and you know, I think it it probably got to that point where the Glazers had set a kind of budget of like 120 million for the for the summer, um, and and the Frankie De Jong thing had dragged on, and that was what the, the focus was. So if, if we, you know, if we're hoping that we're going to get him at some point, then we, we kind of got to um, uh, sort of ring fence that money that's planned for him. Um, and then I think it got to the point where the Glazers probably realised, okay, we actually might end up putting the club up for sale, so let's allow some flexibility in in the credit facility now. Uh, so that at least we get a bit of a boost behind Eric Ten Hag because it was looking fragile for his reign, you know, straight away two defeats out the gate. Um and, and at least then, you know, they were able to turn around and get a bit of positivity about the club and, and that then makes the club a more attractive proposition. I mean it's always gonna be an attractive proposition. It's a huge club with a global fan base, you know, massive revenues, but I still think that the, the sporting success needs to have a you know a positive feel around it for, for bidders to reach that kind of maximum price that the Glazers are after.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right, you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
2: This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. You
1: you mentioned that Ten Hag was was pretty influential behind the the pursuit of Antony. In terms of the recruitment strategy, how much of a factor is Ten Hog? Is he kind of spearheading this entire uh, project or is it kind of a, a collaborative effort?
2: Yeah, they, they do have a, a, a collaborative team uh, behind the scenes. Um, football director John Murta leads that, head of recruitment Steve Brown, who came from Everton, uh, who knew Murta at Everton, um, uh, was appointed uh, several years ago now. Uh, and they did a kind of restructuring of the scouting department, added a load of scouts across the globe, um, and then they've had even personnel have changed in, in the chief scouts. So a couple of chief scouts left at the start of this year, and they've been sort of replaced. And so they they have this kind of team that that are there sort of looking at targets. Um, but Eric Ten Hag is very much a pivotal figure in that, and I think that's been been clear from the signings that have been made. Um, Lisandro Martinez he was a, a crucial voice on that Anthony crucial voice on that Tara Malassia again um, Casemiro was one that kind of you know, came to them via agents he wanted to leave Real Madrid he felt like he was ready for a new challenge he completed everything he could do there and that was something that then the scouts looked at how he might fit into the team and they were happy with with what he would bring even at the age that he is and the cost of the value of the fee and wages um, that they, they brought him in but Ten Hag is very much a you know he, he's he's the guiding uh you know sort of voice in these discussions you know which i think is a good thing in that you want a manager to have authority and he's the guy that's going to be picking the team at the end of the day um but i would like to see more from united in smart recruitment striking quickly on targets when they're younger or when they're perhaps not as high a profile uh, because all all the signings that they went for this summer they're all well known it's not like they've kind of gone totally off piste malasia maybe but that's obviously an eric ten Hag one where he's kind of said stuck his neck out and said i I want this guy in so um yeah it's a it's a process that's very much guided by the manager but there is a support team there but i I still think there's uh, wrinkles to iron out
1: now that we've kind of laid the foundation and uh of, of the state of the club where they're at we've seen a huge hole at the number nine position what are kind of some of the biggest areas of improvement and how likely will they be addressed in january
2: yeah, that that centre forward role is the big one. Um, Eric Ten Hag spoken again uh, after the Forest game, speak, speaking and, and saying that he, that's the prime area that he wants to strengthen. They'll do everything in their power to get a striker in in this window. But uh, when you've got you know a budget of basically loan, um, you know it, there's no budget there really for for a striker. Then the uh, the options become very limited. Um, I mean, that's that's also why they didn't go for Cody Gakpo in the end. He's more of a left winger. I know he has played up front for Netherlands, but he's not you know, exactly what you want in that role. Um, and then, the, yeah, the, the pool shrinks. I mean, I don't know. United have been here before. They signed on Irigalo uh, in January, which was a kind of supposed to be a, a last gasp, the final emergency uh, signing that they made. And, and here we are again. Um, I mean, they, they had a look at these kind of players in the summer, as a contingency if Cristiano Ronaldo left then um Alvaro Morata was one of them Atletico Madrid uh Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang was another who then went to Chelsea um the Morata deal I think the scouts actually quite liked him even though he's been in England before and not really done it um but the price of the deal was just way beyond what they were willing to go to for for a player that you know they they kind of want this player to be you know a low-cost uh you know someone that can be effective. I mean, that's why they looked at Marko Arnautovic, um, which, you know, drew huge backlash from fans, not least for the kind of profile of player that he was, given he was, you know, playing in China um, and, and kind of, you know, been a Stoke City player, uh, but also the the extra stuff around him in terms of his the trouble that he'd been in with the authorities um, for stuff that he'd said on the pitch. So, um, yeah, I mean, it just, it means that United are kind of, scrambling around again really um i don't know who's out there that they could bring in that would do a job i mean listen if it's low cost i suppose there's no harm to it you know get get a body in there but i, I mean it may be that they actually end up with signing nobody this window because it, it's such a difficult brief that they've got um that they have given themselves um and then in, in that case you're you really relying on anthony marshall to stay fit Marcus Rashford to have a go at centre-forward. He, he played there a little bit against Nottingham Forest and he has done that job this season against Arsenal and Liverpool quite well. But you're asking quite a lot of then younger players such as Alejandro Garnaccio to come in and Anthony Elanga and Facundo Pellistri, who actually hasn't made any appearances for Manchester United despite signing two years ago. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a far from ideal situation.
1: Well, I, th- I think my next question is, you mentioned the the center forward position is is the the glaring hole. Is there a balance between just getting a body in there for for reinforcements while also trying to bring somebody in that may fit Ten Hag's system? Because it, it, in your articles, you've 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 talked about Memphis Depay, Chuba Moting are possible mm. loan targets, but is that more of just getting getting people in there that could help, or are they possible players that may fit Ten Hag's system and formation?
2: Yeah, uh, good players that you mentioned there. I, I would probably see those two as perhaps the most realistic ones, um, given their contract situations. You know, that I think they're expiring in the summer, both of them. Um, and Memphis Depay in particular, because you know they had talked with him in the summer. Uh, it was more agent-driven. I think they kind of thought, well, we're not at that point just yet. But, I mean, he has started for Holland at the World Cup and he clearly is a, a good player, but he's got his history in Manchester United where it didn't work out. So do you really go back... To a player um, where it's not worked first time, um, but I, I think he would. I think he would fit uh, an Eric Ten Hag centre forward. You know he's mobile, he links play. I, I don't think Eric Ten Hag is necessarily after a out and out target man. Um, you know Anthony Marshall drops deep and and can kind of sort of move around the pitch. That, that's kind of what Eric Ten Hag wants. You know the pressing aspect of it as well is crucial because that's why Cristiano Ronaldo just never worked with him. You know it, it was chalk and cheese, wasn't it? Um, it was never, as soon as Ronaldo came back into the team, the running stats of other players around him dropped as well. So it wasn't just, you know, his own performance that he was affecting. So I think that's a prime thought, you know, it's in Ten Hag's mind. But he might get to a point where he thinks about anybody is good because at least then it's an experienced player who, who can score and it's worth having in the building, as long as they're a good character. I think character has been a big thing for Ten Hag in all his recruitment choices.
1: Uh, this is such a fascinating situation With the, the sale of the club The current transfer window There's going to be a lot going on in the next few months uh, You can read all of Laurie's work And Manchester United coverage on The Athletic As well as listen to him on the Talk of the Devils podcast Laurie, thanks so much for your time today Thanks so much, Matt